Well, welcome back to all you spring breakers. We can't imagine why you would spend a week in Florida when you could have experienced a week like we have here in Indiana, right? It's just wonderful, all of us in the north enjoying spring break in our winter coats. And, but we're glad you're all back, and we're beginning a new series today called The Holy Spirit, where we want to talk in real practical ways about everyday life with Jesus. How do you and I live everyday life with Jesus? Because he's alive, amen? He's alive, he rose, he's present, he's with us here. And he's very interested, not just in the two hours we gather here on a Sunday morning and hang out together. He is with us here and he's a part of these two hours, but you know he's very interested in the whole 168 hours of our week. And we wanna talk about what does it mean to live every day, every moment with Jesus. Maybe you have said a statement like this or maybe you've heard others in church type settings say statements like these. I can just, I can just feel God's strength and peace with me even though I'm going through what I'm going through. I just know he's with me and there's a strength and a peace I feel. Or maybe it's, you know you're facing a big decision and you say, I'm not quite sure what I need to do, but I'm gonna pray about it and I'm gonna follow God's leading and do what he asks me to do. Or, or maybe it's a statement like, you know, it's hard for me to put into words, but some things have changed in me, in here. Some stuff's just different. Things that used to matter to me don't matter to me as much. Stuff that didn't used to matter to me is starting really to matter to me. Some stuff is just different. It's changed. What are those kinds of comments pointing to? It's pointing to the personhood and presence of the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three fully God, all three distinct persons, all three yet one God. This is where the word Trinity, tri, three, unity, one, triune God. What's that rooted in? It's God, this threeness and oneness, and the oneness is involving the Holy Spirit is not an it, not a junior member of the Trinity, fully God, fully present, full personhood of God in God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus makes an unbelievable statement in John 16, which coming off the Easter season, we're in Easter tide season. Remember last week we said it began the 50-day journey from Resurrection Sunday to Pentecost Sunday. The church calls this season Easter tide. We're basically in the wave of tsunami, this tsunami of resurrection life that rippled out from that tomb in Jerusalem when Jesus rolled the stone away and walked out. Where the wave of resurrection life is washing over God's people. That's called Easter tide. In the middle of this Easter tide season, Jesus was trying to prepare them for something. He was trying to prepare them for the time in which he would physically exit. Now, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of those early disciples. 
Middle school students, welcome to the adult worship gathering today. We are so glad that you're here and I can see on your faces you are so excited to be in here and not in the loft. But you just get to hang with us and be a part because what you have, well, today in the loft, the high school students and parents are meeting together to have a little high school student parent chat, which is pretty cool, I think. So if you're looking for some of your friends, that's where they're all hanging out. So the middle schoolers get to be with us. Middle school students, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of those first century disciples walking around with Jesus, Peter and John and James and Mary and Martha. And how cool would it be to have lunch with Jesus. And would that be a really good thing? If we said today, you are going to have a slice of pizza with Jesus right out there in the atrium, you'd say, that would be really, really cool. Or how about like, you could like go to school and you take a walk with Jesus, like he'd walk on the sidewalk or maybe ride the bike right beside you on the way to school. You'd say, that would be really, really cool. Or how about Jesus would come and help referee that ongoing dispute with your sibling. You think that'd be really, really cool, especially if Jesus took your side. How cool would that be? Like God the Son taking your side. So here's what Jesus told his disciples in John 16. As good as it's been that I have been physically with you, eating and walking and talking and ministering, as good as that has been, it's gonna be even better when I exit. Can you fathom that? It's John 16, if you want to read the context. He says, it's going to be better when I'm gone. So he's trying to prepare them in John 16 for what we just all walked through with Easter season when he was going to be crucified, buried, raised, and ascended. And what is he preparing them for? He's saying, it's really been good that I've been physically with you, but it's going to be better when I physically exit because, hear this, when I physically exit, that's when the Spirit enters, so Acts chapter one, Jesus ascends into the heavens, which in our world, we put yourself in those guys' shoes. That had to be a tough moment. Like Jesus, no, you can't, no, you can't leave now, no. Acts chapter one, he ascends out of sight. Acts chapter two, spirits poured out day of Pentecost. When Jesus physically exit, the spirit enters. And this is what Jesus is saying, it's even better. It's even better that he goes. Why? Because in his physical body, Jesus could only be in one place at one time. As great as it was that he could walk with the disciples and have meals with the disciples and raise the dead and heal the sick with the disciples right there by his side, do you know that he couldn't be in Galilee and in Bethany at the same time, at the same moment, in his physical body? He could only be in one place at one time. But he says, how much, how much better is it going to be when I ascend to the heavens, when I exit, then I'm going to send my spirit, the Holy Spirit, to live within every single one of his followers on this earth. So this morning, in around 190 nations, people are gathering in the name of this Jesus. And do you know that he is present in all those gatherings? How? God, the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit. He's with us right here in Whitestown, Indiana. And he's with Petula Myers and Sarajevo, Bosnia as they're gathering and worshiping today. And he's with uh, the, the folks in Cambodia with Remember New and the boys and girls homes as they gather and worship. Jesus is present with all his people in every setting they're in. How? God the Holy Spirit. And how amazing is that? And that's why he said, I know it was really, really good that you had me physically around, but it's way better when I'm physically absent, because when I'm physically absent, spiritually present, 
by my spirit. And so what we're gonna do this morning is we're gonna look at Paul's trying to kind of come to grips with this in Romans chapter eight. And in Romans eight, we're gonna harvest out three realities of what the Holy Spirit's presence makes possible today. Three realities from Romans eight about what the Spirit makes possible, starting here in verse nine. Pull out your note sheets if you haven't already done so and you can follow along there. Verse nine, the Apostle Paul writing to a group of believers, church in Rome, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, capital S, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So first reality Paul's unveiling here is that the Spirit makes this alive to God life possible. It's an amazing declaration. Do you know when you're physically born, you have a physical pulse, but you're spiritually flatlined? Do you know it's possible to go through your human existence on this earth physically alive and spiritually dead? Now we can blame Adam and Eve, Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter three, the Bible term for what I'm describing is inherited sin. What Paul brings up in verse nine, the sinful nature. This is why for us, we don't have to learn how to be selfish or greedy or prideful or controlling or worried. Do you notice how skilled we are at that so naturally? How does all that happen? Because you're born with an inherited sinful nature that's spiritually dead to the things of God. But you're physically alive. And if you go through your whole life and you die in this life, physically alive and you physically die, but you remain spiritually dead, God has created a place in eternity called hell, called Gehenna. That's the place where people who are spiritually dead go. Outer darkness, scripture describes. When Jesus talks about what is that place gonna be, it's gonna be for all those who have not wanted to have anything to do with Jesus their whole life here, then they're gonna spend eternity having nothing to do with Jesus. It doesn't make much sense for us to receive a per- right for Jesus to say, hey, you know what? You come to heaven where Christ is the center of heaven and you're gonna spend all of eternity with that as the center point when you've had no, no bearings on that your whole life here. That's why this life is a training for reigning. That's why this life, the training ground for the eternal parts. And so what, what Paul's saying here in, in Romans 8 is amazing. That you had no pulse spiritually. And we can't raise ourselves from the dead. We need life to come from beyond us. This is the Easter tide reality. That this wave of resurrection life that rippled out from Jesus' tomb, by his spirit, he comes to human beings and he resurrects us from the dead. The Bible term for this, or the theological term, is regeneration. You're brought to life from the dead. You can't do that yourself. But God, the Holy Spirit, is the means by which, do you notice what Paul said? By the Spirit, you're going to be made alive. So the Spirit brings our dead-to-God life and makes it alive to God. This is why we've been talking about this question. I think a better question to ask when it comes to spiritual conversations, better than are you saved, that's a good question. I think a better question is, are you alive? Are you alive? Is there resurrection life pulsating in your veins. If that's true, by definition, you're saved. But I find folks who are just camped on the are you saved category may have missed the whole point of life, of resurrection life, of spirit-led, spirit-filled life. 
And it's this Holy Spirit who makes this alive to God life possible. Where this is what happens for some of you even most recently, this has happened in your life. You have been asking questions like, why am I more sensitive emotionally to things than I've ever been before? What is that? Some of you saying things like when you come and gather with us in worship, you just can't contain the tears that may flow. Sometimes tears of sadness through really tough stretches, sometimes tears of joy. But there's an emotional kind of stirring that's gone on in your life that you can't get your hands around. What is that? God, the Holy Spirit. Bringing some things to life in you. Others of you have said, you formerly were not very alert and aware of God and the things that maybe were on his heart as you went about your day. And all of a sudden now, you have a greater sensitivity, awareness, alertness to maybe what's on God's heart for that setting. Where does that come from? God the Holy Spirit. The God the Holy Spirit makes this alive to God and there's a stirring of hunger and desire. Some of you saying things like, I've never had the degree of desire I've had for the things of God like I have now. What is that? That's Holy Spirit resurrecting your life, taking you from the place dead to God and making it alive to God. It's an amazing thing the Spirit does. And he's doing this day after day all around the world, raising us to life. In a sense, that's what this gathering is. We're a collection of people practicing resurrection right here every week. We're resurrection life people who've been raised to life. Some of you have come to Christ a little bit later in life. You have a distinct memory of the dead to God, alive in Christ type transition. Those of you who were maybe gave your life to Christ at a very young age, you struggle to kind of remember some of those. All I encourage you to do is hang out with some of the rest of us who came to Christ a little bit later and we'll give you a detailed illustration of dead to God life and the difference it means when the spirit brought something alive and there's an aliveness, there's some life pulsating in you that formerly wasn't there. I put a prayer, I really love Ted Loder's book, Gorillas of Grace. It's basically a bunch of prayers that he wrote. Here's one of them that I thought tapped on this point well. He wrote, oh God, let something essential happen to me. Something more than interesting or entertaining or thoughtful. Oh God, let something essential happen to me. Something awesome, something real. Speak to my condition, Lord, and change me somewhere inside where it matters. A change that will burn and tremble and heal and explode into tears or laughter or love that throbs or screams or keeps a terrible cleansing silence and dares the dangerous deeds. Oh God, let something happen in me. Let's live forever beginning now. And all God's people say amen to that. Who doesn't want some of that? Let something happen to me, essential inside of me. And what's the transition? How you go from death to life? When you hit this point in life where you say, you know what? Taking the hands off the wheel, I'm throwing up the white flag, I'm loosening the grip, I'm raising the posture of surrender and saying, you know what, God? Have mercy on me, O God, a sinner. Help me. When you get to that point in life, the Bible term for that is called repentance. When you say, you know what? I'm not nearly as good as I thought I was about running my life and trying to run the other lives of the people around me. When I get to the point where I relinquish 
that control, when I kind of die to self and I die to my way and all that's embodied in that, and I turn, and I turn to what? The resurrected Christ. I turn to him and I say, Jesus, I believe. You went to the cross, you died, you were buried, you rose, you ascended, and you sent your spirit. I believe it with every fiber of my being. At that moment, God the Holy Spirit raises you to life. And you live forever. How about that? Is that not a reason to be, as a believer in Christ, you reason to rejoice? You want a reason to have a smile on your face today? Is that God, the Holy Spirit, through the resurrected Christ, raised you to life, and you'll live forever. Man, that's a reason to get out of bed in the morning. That I can live this day alive to God. How? Because I figured it out? No, because God the Holy Spirit resurrected my dead to God life and he gave me a pulse. I have a pulse to God now that'll live for eternity. And Paul's not done yet because in Romans 8 now he's gonna build on it. Follow this now. Verse 10 and 11, he gets into the second point in this. But if Christ is in you, listen to this, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. How is Christ in you? Have you ever asked that question? You hear this all the time in church circles. Jesus lives in you. How? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the resident presence of Christ in you. That's where all the passages in the New Testament, you are in Christ and Christ is in you. How? God the Holy Spirit. Verse 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So the first reality the spirit makes possible is an alive to God life. You go from death to life by the spirit. The second reality is the spirit makes this Emmanuel life possible. Emmanuel life, this with God life possible. This is an amazing declaration, is it not? That we can live our everyday moments with Jesus. You say, well, of course, here on Sunday morning from 10 to noon, we're gonna live with Jesus. But the Spirit makes this possible, a life that says, you know what? Your staff meeting at 10 o'clock on Tuesday morning, you know you can lead that staff meeting with Jesus? How? By the Holy Spirit. Or that really tough conversation you're going to have to have, a conflict-related situation within the family, and you know that meeting needs to occur. You know you don't have to do that alone. Holy Spirit will help. He's with us. He's in us. He lives through us. He's for us. It's this Emmanuel life, this with God life. And that's why Jesus says, way better when I exit, because when, when I exit, the Spirit comes and is present with you. So the question comes, how do I navigate a really tough marriage situation? Our marriage is going through a really hard time. Paul would say, hey, if you're a believer in Christ, Jesus is with you by the Holy Spirit. You don't deal with the marriage struggle alone. What about parenting teenagers? That'll throw you on your knees in dependence. That'll throw you into the posture of, Lord, I don't know. You don't parent teenagers alone if you're in Christ. Jesus is with you by the Holy Spirit. You lean into him for wisdom, for strength, for guidance. What about when you come up against something where there's the sin nature, sometimes we hit these places where the sin nature feels overwhelmingly powerful and you feel kind of 
paralyzed to overcome it. What do you do in those moments? Paul would say, hey, you know what? You can't, do you notice the passage said you can't put to death the things in you that you need to put to death? Anybody tried that? It doesn't work very well. You try to put to death the sinful nature on your own? Good luck with that. But the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Now we're talking. Now we've got some resurrection life to work with and the power of the spirit comes to live within you. It says, hey, when you come up against that mountain of the sinful nature and you wonder how you're gonna get through what you're going through, guess what? Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, is with you. You don't deal with that alone. So there's this Emmanuel life deal. There's this with God life deal. There's this, I can live my everyday moments with him. That's why the loneliest stretches in this life in Christ, you're never truly alone. Some of you are in really tough stretches, feeling quite alone. By the Holy Spirit, do you realize you're never alone? And some of you have that testimony, you know it. Because in the midnight hour, when the home is very quiet, what do you sense more than you sense a nearness, a companionship with your Savior? How? The Holy Spirit. It's God the Holy Spirit who comes. I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm in you. I'm through you. Yea, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll be with you in that. You won't be alone. How's that possible? Is this Emmanuel life? This with God life? The Spirit makes that possible. It moves it from this a theological concept into a living reality. That it's not just, you know, for people who are kind of in the graduate school of Christianity, you think, oh, it's just people who have been so far along and get to live these everyday moments with God. No, it's for everybody. Anybody who walks with God, Holy Spirit lives in you, you can live all your moments with him, you can live the Emmanuel life. And then Paul wraps this section with these verses. Look at 12 and 13. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. In light of all this, we have an obligation. But it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So the first thing the Spirit makes possible makes an alive to God life possible. Second thing the Spirit makes possible is an Emmanuel life, a with God, everyday moments with him life possible. And the third thing Paul says here in 12 and 13, the Spirit makes possible, he makes the I'm not who I used to be life. Maybe say amen to that one. I'm not who I used to be life possible. How? Do you know that this book makes an unbelievable claim about the human experience? This book says... People can change. Wow. Like not just superficial change. Like you can actually point to some things and say, you know before in my dead to God life, you know what had the upper hand when we were dead to God? Sinful nature had the upper hand. Old self, old life had the upper hand. Like you were caving to the cravings of the flesh. Why and how? Because it was a dead to God life. And then what happened? The spirit came, resurrected Christ, brought resurrection life to your soul, to your life. You came to life. And when you came to life, there is a trump card now you get to play on the sinful nature. The sinful nature is still plenty strong, right? We, all, we, don't, need a, we don't need a lot of discussion about that. Sinful nature is still plenty strong, but now there's a power in you greater still. So you don't have to cave. You can be an overcomer. You can live the I'm not who I used to be life. That's unbelievable. I mean, think about the realities of how you were 
before Christ, and now who, who and how you are in Christ. Paul would say God the Holy Spirit makes that change and transition possible. Like John Newton, John Newton who wrote Amazing Grace, captain of the slave ship, wrote, wrote the hymn 30 plus years after coming to Christ, but he wrote this, I'm not what I ought to be, I'm not what I want to be, I'm not what I hope to be, but by the grace of God, I am not what I was. And that should be a commentary on anyone's life who've been made alive in Christ. That we're changed and we're changing, right? There should be this always ongoing degrees of, I'm not who I used to be. How does that happen? How do you practically become more in character who you already are in identity? How does that happen? God the Holy Spirit. The Spirit changes us and makes us more like Christ. We're made more in his image, so we become practically living who we already are. This is God the Holy Spirit. So he makes an alive to God life possible, he makes an Emmanuel life possible, and he makes the I'm not who I used to be life possible. That says to me, I really wanna get to know this Holy Spirit. 